Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Longhorn live stream. My name is Ray Peters, alongside Justin Wells of Inside Texas. You gonna do us that? Come on, man. We gotta have it. Just thanks. <laughs> that's the tradition, man. I live for that. When I watch you on the, I gotta have that, man. And that's Rod the Bates. ball high salute. There you Texas go. Style. Oh, Come on. Well. Hey, man, we don't talk about mile-high teams this week after uh, giving up a 70 spot. I don't know. And that's something. Mm -hmm. Rod Babers, they call hey. you a lifetime Longhorn. Yes, sir. TV, journalist, media man. He's uh, He's got all the inside scoop. He's got a little something extra this week, though, a little baby girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, we are blessed. She's home now. We brought her home this morning. Oh, this morning, this afternoon. Brought her home this afternoon. Oh, wow, just this afternoon. Yeah, awesome. man. Just oh. got her home. Also, we're excited. Yeah, not a lot of sleep going on. So we uh, <laughs> got a couple of cat naps here and there. We catching up on those. Uh, I plan on watching some Kansas tonight. Whenever I get a chance, I'm going to break down Kansas. I appreciate <laughs> all the well wishes. Uh, she's doing great. She's awesome. Uh, Mama is a rock star. Uh, so Mama's, you know, giving me at least a couple of, you know, hour here and there just to do this. So I appreciate that. So y'all got to thank Mama that I'm here right now because otherwise oh, – yeah. Wouldn't be able to do it. So uh, appreciate all the congrats. Appreciate all the uh, well wishes, man. We're excited. I'm I'm pumped. Like I'm going on just straight adrenaline. So I think I got like I'll four bet. hours of sleep in the last three, two, three days. But it's all right. Uh -huh. We're feeling good about <laughs> it. Well, we're so uh, privileged to have you join us tonight because I know this is your usual spot on Wednesdays with me and Justin, and we've had a Jerry fill in also because uh, Justin sometimes out on. Uh, live uh, recruiting announcements and things like that, like uh, Zena a couple weeks ago. We missed you on Wednesday night there, Justin, but uh, we're glad to have the regular Wednesday night group here, and we're uh, extremely happy to have Rod join us after that uh, blessed event in, in his life. And Amen, Yeah, folks, we really appreciate the, the comments there, and uh, please uh, send us some uh, questions, and we're, we're happy to tackle those. And, of course, the Super Chats get kind of moved to the front of the line. Our producer, Matthew Hutchison, is monitoring those for us, and he'll uh, put some up for us there and of course uh, rob baby needs a new pair of shoes literally right so let's see some, uh, <laughs> i some just went pets. to go get newborn pampers because apparently we had a lot of pampers but none of them were newborn not, so not brand new ones uh, i had to go get the newborn pampers and oh man i already got running there so i'm excited man i'm telling you it's like my competitive juices are flowing it's weird there you go. back at it so uh ready to talk some texas kansas my my baby girl is, it, it, you know, came into the world when the Longhorns are good again. It, she could have came into the world any of the last 12, 13 years when the Longhorns were not so good. Uh -huh. Now the Longhorns are great again, and she's back in the yeah. world. I mean, it's got it's got to be kissing. It's serendipitous, man. It's got to be something to it, all right? It's good mojo, baby. She's a winner. She's a winner. I like that. Yeah. She's a the winner rally, already. Yeah. The rally child. We can call there the rally go. child, man. Rally <laughs> child. And – of course, uh, Rod loves to talk about football, Justin as well, but also with Mr. Wells, you're our recruiting expert, and uh, you've been breaking a lot of news over on the Inside Texas site, so you want to throw us a uh, nice juicy tidbit here to get started? What do we got? What's some good information you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, uh, that Texas-Kansas game on Saturday, the visitor list is growing uh, by the hour. Uh, Jerry Hamilton, uh, Eric Nolene, and myself have been updating it here uh, over the last, really, 72 hours. Uh, we've already had it up uh, three different posts about it. 
Uh, it's we understood going into it that Texas, if they had the momentum and they were a four and zero, and they and they were looking good in these certain recruitments, were going to have this weekend to be substantial. They also get to host. Uh, recruits next weekend when, when when the fight goes to to the Cotton Bowl for the Red River Shootout. Texas is the home team, so that recruiting list list is going to be even crazier. I can't wait to talk about it it next Wednesday because you're really going to see some firepower coming into uh into the state fair. But this weekend you've got guys like a like a DeAndre Baker. That's a four star offensive lineman out of modern day out of Santa Ana. You know his teammate Brandon Baker, the nation's number one offensive tackle, just committed to Texas. Uh, on, on Sunday, and so that 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 was a huge get uh, in and of itself. And so with with, with Carter, that's an Auburn commit. They're, they want to see him again. Uh, he's going to come in. That to me is is as you're in the type of we're getting into the. It's not necessarily decommit flip season yet, but it, it's there's a it's coming about mid October is when you kind of start to see that. And I think that's what you're going to have with that as well. Kobe Black one of the nation's top corners, one of the top players, uh, five stars that's yet to be committed. Uh, he's expected to be into the game as well. He told me he's he's, he's from him and his family, he's a maybe, and, and it looks like that's going to happen. DeCorey and Moore, the top wide receiver target on the big board for 2025 out of Duncanville, committed to LSU. Uh, I don't even call him an LSU commit. I call him an LSU uh, verbal because uh, this will be the second time in a row that he's actually been in Austin for a game. Uh, and, and he's a huge target, especially with the pipeline they're trying to build to Duncanville. Uh, Colin Simmons is a maybe as well. So to me, the biggest news is that visitor list. It's those guys that are coming in. And what's funny is in the past, you would think, you know, the Texas game is, I mean, the Kansas game may not be that big of a draw. Texas fans, since the renovation had been really complete and since they've had some pretty big opponents coming through like Alabama and stuff, they they brought it even for the the, the regular games the regular not the not so uh, hyped up games. Mm-hmm. And Kansas don't get it twisted is a definite top twenty football team. They're coming in undefeated as well, and so I think it's interesting. It's going to be the last uh, weekend of September. I think it'll kick into gear really when Texas OU gets ready next week. But they got to handle their business here. Listen, as long as Texas wins. And that crowd is in is is, is into it like they have been, and and, and gives mm-hmm. CDC and those guys a lot of credit for for all the bells and whistles. But it really all that matters is winning on on that field. Sark and those guys are taking care of that. The playing the amount of freshmen that he is putting on the field right. this year is ridiculous, right. and it is going to reap rewards with this 24 finishing up this 24 cycle and going into the 2025 class there's a lot going on ray there's a lot of good stuff texas is in still in the mix for for ryan wingo wide receiver out of st louis uh he canceled an official visit to colorado that he was going to go to this weekend and so uh like i said just got to check it out inside texas jerry and i've been putting up updates on on a regular basis we appreciate the the love and support and like i said that visitor list is changing constantly so you probably have to log in and refresh about every 10 to 15 minutes over the next (laughs) i don't know 72 hours uh and to i think you kind of froze up there your last two seconds but i think we got the the message that the the Visitor list is looking pretty good. Hey, Matthew, we have two really nice uh, super chests to throw up here. I believe we've got, oh, three, actually. So just thank you, Daniel. incredible thank you to Daniel Kinnaman. He contributed $20 to the Rod B. Diaper Fund. <laughs> it will well, be thank me. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Um, 
Did we already get John Campbell up, Matthew? I apologize if we've already done that. John Campbell, such a generous guy. Such a generous yeah. dude. So there's UT Mark M. Hey, best drop I've had. Hey, you know what <laughs> Best hey, drop you ever had. I, trust me. I've been – them hands. I've been having careful hands with him, man. Careful. Careful hands. Yeah. Thank and you, Those are incredibly – Gracious and, and look at Mr. Campbell here. John Campbell, fifty dollars super chat. That's amazing. Thank you, Cam. Thank so, you, John. John is just a generous, benefit of our generous person. Good wow. people. So and and uh, I read some of the comments last week, and I need to remember to go ahead and read these for the folks on the podcast who can't read what we've got here. So my apologies to folks. This is my first time doing this in a while. Not pod. I'm the first time ever doing podcasting. <laughs> so I need to go ahead and read the, the comments here. So I appreciate the comments from last week. That's teaching me a lesson. So John Campbell wrote, congrats on your baby girl, Rod. I think we're all hoping she got her mama's looks. Amen to that. I uh, that, huh? Yeah. That goes without saying, John. Yeah, it, it goes. Yeah. And we all hope that. <laughs> Rod B, too. Trust me. We all hoping they get mama's looks. Um, you know, my, maybe my football intellect, but mama's mama's right? too. So mostly mama. Yeah. We all go with that. <laughs> we can't all hey we already got another uh super chat in so again uh we, we really appreciate that kind of pops you to the front of the line there and uh juan has a uh, football question for mr rod babers and for justin rod wow. and justin uh, that's what that says he wants to know what's the difference between the charlie strong regime to con oh. tom herman to oh. steve sarkeesian who oh, wants to, to tackle that one first uh, I'll, I'll, do, I'll throw one thing out because there may be a bunch of them, and I don't want to boss hog everything for Justin because I know he's, he's got some thoughts. I'll go the most obvious one. It's just development. It's it's plain and simple. We, you know, the, the biggest issue, in my opinion, um, in terms of the lull for Texas football the last 12, 13 years, in my opinion, has been the lack of development. You've been there's still been, you know, talent acquisition at a reasonably high to really high level, depending on. At, you know, as Justin talks about, you know, the, the brand and where it is and if you're coming up a winning season and the momentum you have in recruiting, all that kind of stuff. But talent development has been a huge issue. And that's why the undrafted free agents uh, list at Texas in terms of the guys who go into the NFL as undrafted free agents, it's, it's, it's growing. You know, it's been growing more and more because those are guys that probably should be developed into draftable prospects who weren't in the NFL still sees that talent and then they go to the NFL and then they, you know, they end up performing at a really high level and they make NFL rosters. So I think Sark and his staff are doing an amazing job at talent development. You can see it really in so many different areas across the team, defense, offense, lines of scrimmage, especially, especially on the defensive side of the ball, give both Davis credit. But to me, that's it. I mean, in a nutshell, I don't think it, if there's anything that's been more impactful as a factor in the success so far of Steve Sarkeesian and his staff has been their ability to develop the talent on campus. For, you know, Rod, of course, development, that that's the answer, but what's, let's go a little bit further. Let's go the origin of that. The difference is Steve Sarkeesian hired the best coaches at the best positions. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring just his buddies. He didn't bring guys he was just familiar with and he didn't put, you know, guys in positions that may not have been qualified or ready or experienced in those positions, coordinator spots, deep, you know, positional coaches. I think Sark staff is superior to Charlie and Tom's in, in, in regards to, you know, who's wearing what in the fit that's there. Uh, I'll double down and also say the difference is also, I think Sark had did a better job of weeding out the malcontents from the holdovers 
where Charlie and Tom Herman didn't necessarily handle those maybe as well as you could have. I feel like Sark had, has done a much better job of, of in that first two years. All right, we got to figure out who's buying in and who's not. Because if you've noticed in the press conferences the last few weeks, he's referencing the guys that came back. Yeah, he's yeah. giving those guys a ton of credit. And mm-hmm. I, you would have never, you don't, you didn't see that with Charlie when they had a little bit of a push. You didn't see that with Herman and that Sugar Bowl run. You, he actually got more arrogant. Whereas Sark has been the same guy for three years. He makes everything about the team. He takes responsibility for any type of faults. He's been the same guy. So the difference to me, the byproduct of that development is he has the best staff that you could put together right now. I mean, that's that's something Charlie and, and Coach Herman never did. And I think you have to think about it from a, a buy-in standpoint. Sark is a better mental evaluator of bringing in guys. Like Herman did an incredible job with that 2018 recruiting class, top three, top five in the country. But there were some guys there that they didn't mesh. There was a lot of mental evals there that didn't necessarily go with each other. And that's why you had so – and then, you you know, the byproduct of that was, was some bad football. So to me, that's a great question, Juan. Ron, I think Rod really nailed it, the development. You're going to see guys drafted, man, and that's that's the essence of what Rod's talking about. They're going to have 10 to 12 guys drafted over the next two seasons, if not more. That's, to me, probably – that's why I agree with Rod. And and, that, and that to add to Justin's point, because Justin made a good point about the coaches, uh, and because he, he was really selective and he did a great job in coaching selection initially – he didn't have as much turnover either, Justin. You yep. talk about that, right? That helps you develop that talent because he because he chose, you know, wisely initially. But he had to learn lessons like Charlie did and Tom Herman did on the job about the coaching and how coaches would mesh and the chemistry and continuity with that coaching staff. So you've had a little bit of turnover, but that's because you know you had one coach take a head coaching job, wide receiver coach who had turnover because he went to be an offensive coordinator, but you haven't had that kind of a, a large scale turnover that Tom Herman had at one point And then Charlie strong had at one point Sark's continuity has been a really, really impressive. And I will pause it going back to what Justin said, because I think the assistant coaching hires has been perhaps one of the, the top things that he, he did, but he did hire some folks he had familiarity with. He just happened to hire them off the best coaching staff in college football off Nick Saban staff. Good point. So he, he picked some guys who were Flood, Banks, Bo mm-hmm. Davis, those folks. And so, yeah, he's uh, – They were vetted already. Incredible coaches yep. and incredible developers. And I also think that I've always thought this since uh, I saw the crew that he first assembled. The best endorsement for the hire of Steve Sarkeesian was the fact that those guys left Nick Saban's staff and followed him to Texas. So that those guys had faith in Steve Sarkeesian enough to leave that nice job in that great environment in college football and go with him to Texas showed that they didn't think it was a gamble. They thought it was going to win and, and win big. And so I always thought that was one of the best endorsements possible for Sark. Yep. Right. So, to add to that point, a little sure. just an antidote, when, when, El, when Nick Saban was at Michigan State, he went to the interview. They, the, the LSU had a plane you know, picked him up from Lansing, took him down to Baton Rouge, did the interview. Saban takes the job before he leaves. And he sends the plane back and he says, calls the staff, says, guys, hey, we're, we're, we're headed to Baton Rouge. If, if you're going to be a member of my staff, you know, down here at LSU, jump on the plane, get your stuff, let's get down here. Do you know how many people got on that plane that headed back to Baton Rouge? <laughs> 
Zero. Oh zero. man, I, I, I didn't know the punchline, but I was wow. assuming it was a low number, huh? Wow. Zero. Now, yeah. now, Saban's the man. Don't yeah. get it twisted. He's done it the right way, the process, blah, blah, blah. But I always thought that was an interesting note about, you know, how things kind of used to roll, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. it's like that. What Lane Kiffin says, he said, hey, man, working for Nick Saban, it's like dog years. He said, you age in dog years working for Saban. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, uh... that, that, and he's like, that, I think maybe that has a lot to do with it too, right? The grief to dollars ratio. And, uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian mm -hmm. seems like a guy – and I, I, and this is what I like about Sark that since we've got to know him, that as as Justin mentioned, he will admit his shortcomings and admit, you know, that he's been wrong, admit mistakes. He's actually sometimes a little too forthcoming about it. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think Longhorn fans like that. He's, it, it makes him seem more sincere. Not make him mm -hmm. seem he is sincere, but you get to see that sincerity, and he seems like a genuine article. Because he's sitting the wit up there and be vulnerable, and he's been vulnerable, right? His story is out there, everybody knows yeah, his story, yeah. so he's been vulnerable. But I think that vulnerability it makes him relatable. Uh, and Longhorn fans, and I think on the recruiting trail, obviously, too, that's that's big, man. You walk into mama and daddy's house, they got to be able to relate to you no matter who you are. Nick Saban's got all those, the greats are going to have that, but uh, Sark's got that quality. I think the, the essence of it is how genuine he is and how open he is about hey, his shortcomings, things that. He, he's fallen short of, but also, you know, things that he hopes to achieve and how that's made all those struggles and obstacles have made him what he is today. He's pretty open about that. And I think people uh, are attracted to it. Sure. An another good guy who's a favorite of Longhorn faithful UT boy. And uh, he's yeah. got a super chat for Rod Babers. And it doesn't even mention John Tay Cook. Robert Babers, <laughs> a couple of uh, hookums there, laid the foundation. God bless y'all. Hey, um, no, very nice, UT boy. boy. Hey, I'll and, say and, this: it does remind me of my time on the fort because we. I remember the, the 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 mantra back then was bring. We got to bring Texas back because mm -hmm. Texas had fallen off, you know, in those late nineties, and then the transition to Mac Brown, and it was part of Mac Brown's pitch. Like this is a great brand. And right now the brand is not uh, as respected as it should be. And it's not feared like it should be. And we got to bring it back to prominence. We got to bring it back to greatness. It's not there right now. Your, your mission is to help bring it back. And the reason we're recruiting all these guys, that's part of the mission is to bring it back. And it seems like th there is a similar mindset with this crew that you want to leave it better than you found it, right? You can't come to Texas. You want to leave it better than you found it. And for, for years, I think the guys had that mindset. And somewhere there was a disconnect and something was lost in translation, whatever. Um, we know all about that. We're not reflecting on that now. I'm talking about this group, of course, that seems like they have that mindset that I got to bring it back. And I love. I think these, I think these guys deserve a lot of uh, a lot of respect. They deserve a lot of our uh, a lot of compliments, a lot of love because it's not an easy thing to do. It ain't easy. Yeah. Changing culture is not an easy thing to do. No you could just snap your fingers and get it yeah. done. So a UT boy, again, thank you so much for the, the super chat. Again, we really encourage folks to do that. Uh, hit the live button there. Click on that button <laughs> and, and, and tell everybody that you, you like this. Please subscribe. If you watch this and don't subscribe, then you're missing out on some things because – the easiest way to just go find the on Texas football uh, YouTube uh, updates and the different uh, videos is I just go to where 
my subscription tab on YouTube, and I click on that, and I can see everything I missed, and I can just go keep, you know, keep keeping up with uh, what Bobby's got, and Justin, and Jerry, and Rod, and uh, Ian, and uh, Paul, and, and the entire gang over there, and uh, Eric Nalin as well. So we're very grateful for that. Again, uh, like and subscribe. Like the guy on the Dr. Pepper commercial says with the face paint, uh, smash that subscribe button. So Robert <laughs> Muhammad has a chat for us as well. And we really appreciate that, Robert. He says, what can we expect to see from the defense on Saturday? Who'd like to hop on that one? Facing I'll a good offer. Throw, I'll yeah. throw one. To, I'll throw, I'll throw, how about some uh, Jalen Daniels spy game? Uh, this is going to be a guy they're going to have to watch because he is a dual threat and he is definitely a threat passing the ball as much as he is running the football. This might be one of the best, if not one of the best quarterbacks that Texas faces in, uh, in 2023. Watch how he runs down the line. When he always scoots, when he when he tucks it and goes, he's he keeps his head and eyes down the field and the receivers are smart they don't have necessarily a number one guy but they got three dudes that know how to run routes catch the ball and make plays and they will all be a fact they're all gonna you know try to to, to, to all work together that that's a group that's similar to what texas was a couple of years ago with sark where those seniors and older guys they stayed and they worked hard and they they bought they bought in. And I think that's why you see so many guys on Kansas team that are just really solid guys. They've been there for a few years. They've they've gone through it. Jalen Daniels, the way you beat him is spy him. You've got to keep your eyes, you've got to keep him in front of you. I think the fact that he keeps his eyes down the field, I can't wait to see what PK comes up with because I feel like at this stage, and Rod can can go more on this. I don't think we've actually seen a whole lot there yet because I feel mm -hmm. like the D line's been so dominant. Yep. they don't have they don't feel the necessity to really necessity to show a lot of their hand. Now, granted, the Big Twelve was always going to have a few things held back on offense, but I think on defense, there's some stuff being held back because of how strong the D line is, how how much the edge play has actually improved. But that's how what I expect to see is is a, is a team spying Jalen Daniels. Look, Devin Neal, Daniel Hishu, they can run the Hishaw, they can run the ball. They're 210, 215 apiece. They can run the ball. Keep Jalen Daniels as a spy. Make sure you've got Benda, who's playing great. You've got a Ford. You've got an Anthony Hill. You got guys watching him because he's constantly looking down the field. Yep, I agree with Justin. It's it, when he breaks the pocket, which he will. Right, because Texas defensive line is going to collapse the pocket. And I, I'm not going to, I don't know if they'll be as dominant as they were versus Baylor, but they will collapse. That's one of the best D lines in the country. Uh, so they're going to collapse the pocket routinely. It's going to be important. You talk about those defensive ends, Justin. And that's one of the strengths now for Texas going into the season. We're all uncertain about it, but Ethan Burke, Baron Sorrell, that group, you know, Justice Finkley, they've been really good. Jamon right? Tap, man. Tapp, those guys. And, and even Dave Aranda talked about it. Texas kept their defensive ends wide in that Baylor game, and it was mostly just to stop the wide zone, neutralize right. the wide zone, the outside zone. Um, I wouldn't doubt in this game just because of what you're talking about, Justin. Situationally, if you'll see those defensive ends a lot, they, they, come, they go a little wide and make the spies job a little bit easier at times. Because yeah. you're right, when he breaks the pocket, he looks to th he's pat he looks to run to throw. Right, he's basically looking to run. He he may decide if, if there's nobody open that he's going to run. I'm worried about the scramble drill. And this is basically what Justin's kind of talking about. He breaks the pocket. He breaks contain. And then the wide receiver's going to scramble drill. That's basically a second play. He's a guy that can make you cover as a defensive back for 
six seconds potentially. Right? And that is nightmare fuel for a defensive back. That's guys that are, and he's an accurate passer down the field and on the run. Um, one of the few things, never very few things that Texas defense has been uh, susceptible to, I guess, the last few games, because it ain't a lot that you can attack Texas with, has been the deep ball. Like teams are just kind of going and going after Texas with the deep ball. Alabama went after Texas with the deep ball a little bit. Baylor, that was one of the only things that they could throw out there. They went after Texas with the deep ball a little bit. And I wonder if uh, Kansas, they will have now and design in their scramble drill. Uh, if they can break the pocket and can keep the play, extend the play and keep it alive, if they'll take some shots on Texas uh, and no scramble, just goodbye. Think about it, if Texas is playing zone, zones deteriorate into man. Cause they, they decompose into man coverage a lot of times, unless you're playing true zone where you're just guarding a, 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 a portion of the field or an area of the field. That's usually not the case. Usually now teams are playing match match zone coverage where they end up uh, playing once the route is declared in their zone, they end up manning up with that player and Texas plays uh, some, a lot of match coverage. If that is the case, basically if you can extend the play long enough, you can almost guarantee guys going to be matched up in man coverage. And then you can take your shots that the, the, the thing about Texas is you ain't going to have that much time, but if there's a quarterback that can't extend the play, it will be that guy. Mm-hmm. That guy can do it. And, that, and like, that that scares me a little bit. And I like that Mo Blackwell has worked his way back. That's yep. your quick, twitchy, athletic-y guy that would be a good spy that you you don't you know sacrifice too much. But but Rod nailed it. That that's this defense has been really good. And uh with the crowd being live on Saturday, I think that's gonna be a big help. This D line makes everybody else eat, man, like a buffet. Yeah. Right. They do. Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> Five different pudding flavors. <laughs> there you go. Chocolate fountain. You got a little bit of everything there. Oh, hey, man. Rod, I know you've been preoccupied for the last nice. several days, so I don't know if you've done any of the – check out any of the BYU-Kansas game. but That's uh, that's that's my homework tonight. I, yeah, uh, yeah I, I watched some of it um, today, and I was stunned with the time Daniels had to throw. So they weren't getting much penetration at all, the BYU defense. Defense. And so I think it's yeah. story for, for Jalen coming up Saturday because he was there's literally one play, you'll see it. I bet you it's 12 seconds he's got to find somebody to throw. That's and a then problem. he finally steps up and then does throw it down about 20 yards downfield and makes the connection. But yeah, he had all day to throw on several occasions. So he won't have that luxury Saturday, I don't think. No. And I think I think Lance Leopold and the offensive coordinator for Kansas know that they'll have built in uh, kind of fail safes. Quick game. Texas pass rush. Yeah. Exactly. Quick game. They will. They, they, they'll. They know that. They. They. Texas. Texas is gonna win. Win. Texas wins this game. Texas <laughs> doesn't make mistakes. They make you beat them. Yes. Exactly. And, and like I said, a couple of times we've seen te- teams just make great plays against Texas down the field. Yeah. I think when Texas wins this game, it'll be when they separate in the second half in the fourth quarter, and it'll be because lines of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. By the way. I think that's where Texas will. That's where Texas right now has the advantage, the clear advantage over Kansas. I mean, Jalen Daniels was clear the, advantage on most teams. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you're seeing that now, right? Every even up against Bama, you're starting to, you're starting to see that. And Jalen Daniels is a preseason offensive player of the year. I mean, he is a baller. I'm with Justin. I enjoy watching. And by the way, the Kansas offense, it's honestly that offense and Sark's offense are probably the most uniquely creative offenses in the Big Twelve. Hey, Matthew, let's 
Yeah. I apologize, Rod. Uh, let's go to Freelance Society's uh, Super Chat, Matthew. And uh, just know Juan and AS85, we do see your Super Chats and we'll get to those. I just think it's more of a, a, a natural segue from what we were talking about to go to Freelance Society first and we'll go back to yours. So thank you for the Super Chat, Freelance. So uh, a couple of different things here. Uh, how much do you think game plan for Kansas in comparison to Alabama and OU? And then also, uh, well, Rod, you're a new parent, so I don't know if you have much information. No advice. I've taken an 18-month-old son to the spring to game. To the spring yeah. game. Wow. So let me finish reading this so I don't get in trouble from the crowd out there. So he says, I'm taking my 18-month-old daughter to her first Texas game this week. And any advice? Congrats, Rod. Sunscreen, for one thing. That's <laughs> going to be hot. So your, your toddler is going to be Oof. a little uh, cranky, probably. But uh, go ahead, Justin. I apologize, sir. Go ahead, finish. No, no, no. I was just, you know, Rod had mentioned, you know, he's one of the daughter. You know, my son, 18-month, we took him to a spring game. And so – uh, he was actually, you know, he enjoyed it, but it's, man, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and the crowd for a spring game compared to 105,000 in the stands for a 230 that game. That cannon. That cannon. Ooh, like, yeah. Oh, the cannon. Like, that's what got, that's oh. what got him. He's like, hey, oh. hey. Like, hey. <laughs> hey, what's going on? What? So, Rod, uh, well, I mean, I think that Coach Sarkeesian has great respect for what Coach Leipold does and is probably yes. game planned appropriately for this. Any difference with how he would approach Kansas versus uh, Alabama or his traditional rivalry against Oklahoma? No, I don't think so. I, I think that, you know, Sark, especially after Sark's first year being upset by Kansas, um, and I think conference play is just different overall. Um, I think all throughout the offseason, coaches all, all over the country are – gathering little tidbits and nuggets game planning against uh certain certain teams in their conference because they're just familiar foes and especially your rivals so we know there's extra time spent. even mike brown would admit hey bye week whoever the next rival is oklahoma or texas after the bye week that bye week's probably devoted to them um and we know in the offseason sark you know whether he wants to admit it or not probably spent a ton of time on alabama as opposed to other conference foes but there's no doubt sark he was I, I, I guarantee you he spent a lot of time in the offseason worried about conference foes and game planning for them, too. That's just goes without saying. I would say that right, Wyoming and Rice is pretty clear right? <laughs> that there was very little offseason game planning for Rice and Wyoming. And honestly, during the, the season, during I, I don't know how much of those weekly game plans were all Rice and Wyoming. Like I said, whether the players know it or not, coaches can, in a clandestine fashion, covertly put other uh teams concepts into practice plans and practice periods that, that that's been done that's been documented before i don't know if i can't guarantee sark doing it my theory would be sark did that and good for him because he's not i'm gonna beat rhyming rice we're gonna beat them we gotta worry about getting snake bitten in conference play and we gotta beat bama if we want to get this thing going if we want a full steam ahead and we want the hype train with no all gas no brakes we need to beat Bama, and they did it. You got to bet on yep. yourself, but I think Sark probably bet on himself in that capacity. Hey, uh, Matthew, let's go to AS85s briefly. The two dollar one there. This is so. Is, hey, Justin, you know Jerry Hamilton better than anybody. 
uh, he wants him to go onto the LSU forums. So this is two bucks for Jerry to go say hi on the LSU forum. So is, does Jerry have a little troll in him? Would he do that for two bucks? Uh, I'm trying to, you know, pick my words carefully. Uh oh. Um, uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, that does he have all right. Yes, he does have yes, some right? trolls. <laughs> does he have some petty in him? Yeah, he got some petty. Uh, and it ain't Tom Petty. You know, we ain't, <laughs> you know, we ain't free falling. But uh, yeah, no, waiting is really, the hardest part. Um, DeCorey and Moore is committed to LSU, or it's a soft commitment at this stage. Uh, we feel like Texas will be the flip at some point, but he's only 2025. He's just now starting his junior year. I think that's kind of where the teasing would come because now that Moore is going to be in Austin, you know, back to back times uh, for home games, to me, I think it just resonates that it's more than it's more than likely to Corey and makes that move. You just don't know when uh, I felt like that commitment was kind of an emotional decision. It was also a full court press by the LSU staff because it happened what a day after Colin Simmons uh, committed to, to Texas over LSU. And so I think there was a little bit of bad flavor, bad taste in their mouth from that, from that uh, recruitment, but that's, that would be some trolling. Anytime Jerry goes over there to like an LSU form and puts up a high, that's, it, it it's only going to make it harder for the moderators, man, because <laughs> those guys, those people will just, they'll be like carnival. Yeah, they go crazy, huh? But, but what's funny is what's worse is Ian Boyd over at Sooner Scoop. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. They think he's Diablo. Like they are like, they think he's the worst. And, you know, I, you have to understand something. Ian Boyd is one of the smartest, sweetest, most Christian based men I've ever met in my life. He's one of my best friends. I love the guy. But, man, Sooner fans, man, we we even took a picture. They had um, the mascot for the Sooners at the Big Twelve Media Days. You know, all the mascots come the big, you know, stuff like that. And I can't, I don't know what his name is, or you know, two of them, I think. Yeah, he comes comes over there, and and Ian, I take a picture of him with Ian, and we put it on their their board on the Sooner Scoop board. Oh my, (laughs) good stuff. Like it was like chaotic. But, you know, to me, you know, let's embrace the chaos. Let's have fun with this stuff, you know. But that's what that's about. If Jerry puts up a high over the LSU forms, he needs to tip off Billy Embody or Shea Dixon or somebody because the the the, uh, the the restless will get real restless. There you go. Hey, let's, uh, Matthew, let's go to Juan. So let's go ahead and uh, knock these out in chronological order as we go down there. So, Juan, so um, I don't know how much um, – Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We want to touch on this, but... Let's give Juan his 999s worth here. So uh, 
He sees, I guess, um, he asks a question, but then kind of comes to the conclusion. Juan asks, concludes, are Nick Saban assistants that become head coaches, well, he says, are they much more successful than Urban Meyer assistants, and why is that? So I guess we need to kind of tick off some of the list of some of the Nick Saban assistants versus the Urban Meyer. Now, Urban, obviously, Charlie oh. Strong, Tom Herman, uh, but Saban would be Kiffin, Sart, um, who are some of oh, oh, the – some some of the other well, I mean Kirby Smart is a Saban mm-hmm. disciple, right? And yeah. nobody's more successful than him right now. So I guess he's got a point. Um, um can I just give you my theory on this? And this sure. is not necessarily specific to Nick Saban or Urban Myers, just some kind of my football theory. Because I've studied this too, I've studied coaching trees and you know, what sets them apart. And it's really nothing that you can really quantify that, you know, we can track. My theory is this, and I base it off Bill Belichick and his horrible, no good, terrible coaching tree. Although he's considered to be, you know, the goat of NFL coaches. The best coaching trees in the NFL are Bill Walsh coaching tree, Bill Parcells coaching tree. Andy Reid's got a really good coaching tree, but why doesn't Bill Belichick have a good coaching tree, right? Everybody's been plucking from his coaching tree forever. If you don't have a good coaching tree, my theory would be you don't share a lot, right? You're not an open book. You're a closed book. Bill Belichick is known for a guy that when he talks to the media, one word responses, very clandestine, runs his organization like, you know, like the CIA or the FBI. I mean, literally, we don't even Tom Brady and the defensive coordinator who is coordinating his Super Bowl versus uh, I forgot the one that Malcolm Butler didn't start. Maybe he didn't start Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl. Maybe that's one versus the Rams. When they played Seattle. Seattle. Seattle game and the second time around, right? The second time around. He, de- he didn't start Malcolm Butler. Nobody to this day still knows. Malcolm Butler doesn't know. The defensive court. Tom Brady. Tom Brady was asked about it a couple years ago. He's like, I don't know. Nope, nobody knows. Bill Belichick did it, and he didn't tell anybody in the organization why. When you operate like that, Nobody in your organization gets your trade secrets. So your coaches who want to go on and build their organizations, they, they're, they're not taking trade secrets from Bill Belichick to do it. They're not learning from Bill Belichick how to do it. They're pretty much just trying to replicate some image of Bill Belichick that they know about, but they're not gaining any type, in my opinion, they're not gaining any type of counsel or advice about how to become a great coach. He's not coaching the coaches. Today. His, he's, he gives orders. Right. And even the guys who are executing and carrying out the orders, they don't know why. Like they're like CIA operatives or FBI agents. They, you do the, do the damn job. That's it. We don't tell you why there's a higher purpose. And only one guy knows it. And that's Belichick. That's not how Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh was. I mean, he wrote books. He was a commentator. He loved talking to the media. Bill Parcells loved cracking jokes with the media, hanging out. He also uh, was a commentator at one point in his life. And I think, you know, those guys are open books. I don't know if Bill Belichick will ever do that, but he does seem to be a guy that's very, you know, to himself, reserved, doesn't like to share. He still carries around and kind of an amorphous playbook that nobody has access to, only him. I mean, these are the guys that were doing Spygate, right? They were <laughs> videotaping other teams operating like some covert organization. That, that is intentional. That's deliberate. That is part of who Bill Belichick is. If you want to learn how to coach, go to a coach who's an open book who will tell you everything and tell you exactly why they made that decision, whether it was a bad decision or a good decision. This is why I did it. 
I'm I'm not hiding anything. I'm good because I'm I'm good. I'm willing to share that information. I'm not worried about sharing uh, reasons and and I'm sharing my trade secrets and that being the reason for my downfall because others will catch up to me. That's always Bill Belichick's you know fear. Like oh man, if I give out too much information and everybody's gonna know all of my trade secrets and then I'm no longer gonna be effective or unique. I'll no longer have that advantage. Um, I don't. I mean maybe that's true, but for, I think for the best coaches coaching trees. You have to have a coach who's willing to operate as someone who's really forthcoming and open. And when I think Sark seems like that guy, okay, I mean, I'll yeah. give you everything. You can have it. It's yeah. asking a question. I'll tell you that to me is the those are the best coaching trees. And Bill, the Bill, the Bill, Bill Parcells, and Bill Walsh were like that, not Bill Belichick. Hmm. And also understand though too, Nick Saban's guys like Kirby Smart. There's some recency bias there, and a little bit more depth because Saban also brought in these old head coaches that had been cast off. Their rehabilitation. Of the, yeah, it's yeah. not just the up-and-coming coordinators. Like Pete Carroll, that was a pretty good staff by, you know, grooming young guys with Lane Kiffin, with Steve Sarkeesian, with, with, with those with those types. But to me, Urban Meyer, I, I think that coaching tree is shady. Like, I don't, I don't see a lot of good fruit. I don't see a lot of good fruit coming from that one. And most notably, you're going to let Zach Smith hang out on your staff for as long as he did, like, I mean, it's just it's as simple as this. Nick Saban has the better assistant coaching tree, uh, but Urban Meyer has the better assistant coach that has a popular podcast, which is Zach Smith, uh, for all the crazy stuff he does. Um, <laughs> Urban Meyer's tree, no bueno, man, no bueno. Okay, cool, hook him. Remember that was Herman's response. That to was Smith. Miss, Miss Michelle Herman. Now that was a good. That was pretty good. That was, that was a, a good comeback, right? Hey, it, 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 Rod, do you see a little of Dan Lanning, a little Herman and Dan Lanning? Yeah, it's yeah, no doubt. Nah, with you, the, the gritty, the gritty kind of you know underdog Tough guy, guy. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no doubt. But uh, yeah, he, he, he's. I think and you're right about the paranoia. Out. You're right about the paranoia. Art Bryles. I can't think of a head coach that's more terrified, or was back in his heyday in, in the yeah. early 2010s at Baylor of people knowing his offense. When, when, yep. when, he, when those coaches started getting plucked, when Sterling Gilbert left, when Philip Montgomery left, when, when, when they started getting Kendall Bryles, when they started getting those guys, mm -hmm. that scared Art because he thought you were giving away family secrets. Mm. Yep. Nope. I remember that. As a matter of fact, my boy Shano, when they drafted RG3, that was one of the things like, hey, man, we would like the playbook. Like, <laughs> we'd like access to, you know, the plays to know exactly they, how they wouldn't let them. Yeah. No, they gave, I think initially, oh, okay. like, they gave, but they had, it was something like, hey, man, it was like apparently like something they discussed. Like, hey, man, that's I thought there wasn't a playbook, though. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Like, you want the plays, though, whatever. Or browse his head. You need, you need, right. <laughs> for me. I need access to that, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Which now people don't want. I understand. I'm talking about yeah, the, right. football, the football brain, not the other stuff. <laughs> hey, Rod, uh, Rich Thompson was a, a nice man as well. So, Rich oh, Thompson. Thank you, Rich. Can never have enough diapers or formula. So, thank you, Rich. God bless you, brother. So, yeah, we're really grateful for that. Uh, Elijah know. Perez has a super chat as well. Let's take a look at what uh, Elijah has to say. If Texas is going to take the leap to the elite tier, they'll have to play as well at home as they do away. Why or won't that start this week? And you'd think it would be flipped, right? But, uh, yeah, we've played better at Alabama, at Baylor, than against Rice and Wyoming, although 
I think it's overrated that we were you it's know, circumstantial so, so right. poorly, but we we didn't necessarily start uh, House of Fire in those games, obviously. But we ended up with uh, substantial victories. But uh, why are we doing better on the road, and what? How can we uh, reverse that and do a little bit better at home? I just think it's circumstantial this year. They've played right. the two teams at home were defenses that were going to show different looks that Texas wasn't necessarily prepared for all of. That was blown out of proportion, mm-hmm. but, yeah, there were things they weren't. Whereas Bama and Baylor, those two defensive coaches, you knew they, that's all they've done their entire life. So that that game planning was rather easy. I, I think, really, that's the only – that's the answer. It's kind of just a circumstantial thing this season. What do you think, Rod? Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything you can necessarily – you can throw out a lot of theories. Another theory could be, you know, maybe just the makeup of the team that, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers – let's start with him, right? It's Quinn Ewers' performance. Because yeah. yeah. when Quinn Ewers plays well and starts hot, man, this team, they they seem to play at their best, right? The best version of this team is when Quinn Ewers comes out and starts hot. The Bama game, that was the case. Baylor game early on. I think that was a little shaky early on, but then he found his groove and his rhythm. You know, pretty he did for seventy eight percent. Yeah, exactly. That's what he tried. That's a couple of things. He yeah. found his groove pretty early in that game too. So I'm saying, like early on. That's what. So on the road, he seems to start quicker, more confident, and it seems to be at home that that hasn't happened. Now, is that because of the different looks that they were presented? Whatever we can debate that. Um, but I think it comes down to Quinn, and then you get into it was Quinn. It. Is Quinn just better on the road? There you go. Right? Is it something about Quinn's psychology that, hey, man, when Quinn's on the road, he's a little bit more relaxed, and it's them against the world. And, you know, maybe it's something about them being, you know, the, I don't know, public enemy number one on the road, them being the villains on the road, that kind of thing. That could be part of the psychology. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm just throwing out theories. I um, like that because Keela Robinson could be the flavor flame of, of, of that. <laughs> It goes together, man. <laughs> I don't even know if Quinn or Keelan know about public enemy. Think they know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Keelan is an artist. He is a rapper. I know yeah. he's a rapper, he is. and he's actually got some music on iTunes, and his stuff is actually pretty good. Y'all need to check him out, K. Rob. He's got some good stuff. I'm not gonna lie. No, it's not. But, bad. but yeah, if, if if Texas is taking on that moniker of public enemy number one, and look, it looks like it's you know. Texas versus everybody, and, yeah. you know, uh, embrace the hate exactly. type, type mantra, then then that's why you're going to be better on the road because you get that sweeter taste shutting up and getting everyone booed out of that building. Yeah, I think, you know, think about it. Sark talks about, right, you, you get what you emphasize. And they've obviously been emphasizing embrace the hate. Uh, we're going to be hated. This is the farewell tour. There are T-shirts that have been made. Hey, you know, the Brett Yarmark, Big 12, like everybody hates Texas. You know, that's obviously been ingrained and programmed a little bit in the offseason. Maybe Sark is just getting what he's emphasizing, right? He's getting these guys responding to that adversary, responding to being the villain. And at home, they're not the villain. Everybody loves them. Everybody's, you know, they got the, the, the rock down the Boulevard. Everybody's telling them how great they are. But on the road, everybody hates them. Everybody's booing them, the horns down. And maybe that's almost comforting for this crew. I would love if this theory is right, that it is comforting for them now because Sark has been emphasizing. Listen, the reason you're getting a better second half team is because Sark has emphasized. He said, we focus, that's what we focus on. How to psycho, psychologically, how do we respond to adversity? How do we respond in the fourth quarter? You know, we're playing a lot of guys so we can be fresher in the fourth quarter. As a play caller, he's trying to be more aggressive. 
in the second half and in games. Like this is all about, you know, being a team that can close. So he gets, he's getting what he's emphasizing there. Maybe he's also getting it on the other end, psychologically, these guys, they want to be the villains or maybe subconsciously they like being the villain. I'm not sure what the actual number is. I haven't looked at a participation chart uh, lately, but we're putting 45, 50, 55 kids out on the field. We're doing three deep, don't you think? I mean, we're really Derek, getting a lot of youngsters playing. Derek Williams had 54, 52 snaps last Saturday. Yeah. He outsnapped the other early, snaps. too. That's crazy. So, that's wild. And I know, Justin, you've emphasized it, and Jerry has as well, that that's also sending a signal to those recruits out there that you commit to Texas and come play here. You're going to get opportunity to play early if you earn it. So yeah. that uh, speaks volumes to those uh, recruits. We're approaching the top of the hour. That's kind of old school radio talk. It's almost eight <laughs> o'clock. You're watching on YouTube live, and we hope you are, and we hope you're watching us later. You know, because we're uh, we're here uh, for eternity here on the internet. I think it lasts forever. You're watching the Longhorn live stream on Texas football. We uh, love uh, sharing our insights on Texas football, recruiting, and the like. Uh, Matthew, we also have a, a sister uh, site, the Inside Texas. Uh, website where justin works and writes some amazing articles and shares a lot of insight amazing he said y'all <laughs> amazing hey matthew do you happen to have that uh code there you go this guy's amazing right uh, a lot of amazing going on around here matthew oh. justin's writing and everything I, I read justin's articles they're amazing i only See, just a few typos in, a, in an article. Hey, promo code OTFIT23, a dollar for two months. Let us earn your business. Come hang out with us at Inside Texas. We really do have a great time. It is an insanely fast-growing community. Uh, we, it's unbelievable. We're very grateful, and we just we want a chance to earn your business. But also, there, there's another promo code, guys. You take that off now, Matthew. There's another promo code. If you put in Justin Rocks. Uh-oh. You don't get a discount, <laughs> but it just, it's a nice little thing to write if you get a dollar. Oh, so if you want to just write that in, you don't necessarily get a discount, oh, but it's nice man. and sweet to say. Man, this guy had me for a second. Nice he had me. Hang this, on. Is, this is the man. Hey, man, <laughs> give us one of these in the middle of this thing. You're, just come on. Come on, uh, man. Yeah. One. There you go. Oh, hey, man. and I'm, I'm teasing. I've, I've never seen a typo in one of your articles. You, you do uh, amazing work, so. I don't know how you can be both a, a former coach and a good writer, but you've managed to straddle those worlds. So that's impressive, buddy. Hey, Robert Muhammad is an impressive person as well. He gives us a super chat. He's got a pretty basic question here, but it's, you know, it's one that uh, a lot of the folks watching have an interest in. Robert asks, what players do you see having a good game Saturday? Uh, well, I, what I say Jatavian Sanders. Is my prediction because I don't think Kansas defends tight ends very well. He's my I don't know guy. if anybody can defend JT. I mean, right? who's got who's got someone to defend JT Sanders? <laughs> Six well, four and a half, two hundred and forty three. Uh, Wyoming, Wyoming. Have, he, he did an offer against Wyoming, didn't he? That's so. that's more. He only had two targets in that game. I believe. That's a yeah. scheme to me. More yeah. Scheme did you know, Rod? He has two one hundred yard receiving games. Most in tight, most in history of Texas. And, that and that blew my mind. Yeah. I thought yeah. at least your Michael Finley would have stacked a few of them on there. A David Thomas. I mean, hell, he had 10 catches in the national championship alone. But yeah, I, I, I was kind of surprised by that. 
Just, hey, Jeff Moses, he got kicked out of the website putting Justin Rocks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do no, that. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're teasing. So, um, no. some of the usual suspects. I, I, uh, even though I think the game plan may have caused some other folks, but Jade Barron, I love that kid, although I didn't see much from the Baylor game. I guess maybe yeah. they used a different package and didn't use Jade as much. Yeah, they uh, basically, you know what? This is something we should talk about, actually. Um, okay. And maybe it'll, it'll in some way, bring some clarity to Robert's uh, question. So, and I think Kansas may get into this, and we might talk about it on football theory, too. When Baylor went heavy, personnel, basically run heavy, 12 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends. Uh, Texas would counter by going full, what they call 40 personnel, which is when they have, you know, they take, they take the nickel off the field, right? And they take the nickel back off the field. You only have four DBs on the field, seven front seven defenders. And it's interesting, you know, I, I'm not going to question PK because he's doing a hell of a job. My like PK is killing it right now. So this is just foot, this is discussion. We're just debating here. Sure. I I would, if I was the defensive coordinator, I would probably move Jade Barron to either safety or corner in my 40 personnel package and take somebody else off the field because he's like one of your top three best defenders potentially out there and right i love ryan watts but he got picked on versus baylor why not put him out there at boundary corner i think he'd be just He's fine been picked on all four games exactly so put him out take ryan watts off the field and put him there hell at safety we've had safeties get picked on put him at safety he would still be good at safety uh, so i i that's i would you know if kansas is thinking uh, on a higher level you might see them every now and then go heavy just to see if they take Jade Barron off the field again and then attack linebackers in coverage with, as Justin mentioned earlier, short, quick game, and then attacking the linebackers and the safeties in coverage with tight ends and running backs and really creative pass concepts. That's what I would do. I'm like, take Jade Barron off the field? You mean I can take with just a personnel grouping, take one of the three best defensive players off the field? Done. Let's go. Let's go heavy, baby. Let's go. Sure. We'll, we'll throw out of it. And we'll get better pass protection that way, too. Let's go. So and, uh, I I would I wonder if he'll continue to do that because, I don't know, that's the way I think you could attack – and many ways to attack that Texas defense. That may be yeah. one. But I think if you're going back to Robert's question, D-line. D-line, D-line right. has a great game like they did versus Baylor. Don't that, It won't even be a fun game to watch. We'll be bored. By the third quarter of that game, that D-line plays and whips the Kansas O-line like they did Baylor. They probably won't because Kansas is a better O-line than Baylor, but that's what I'm going for about players having a good game, that group. Hey, hey Matthew, we put up Rich's uh, super chat, I presume. Can never have enough diapers for formerly. Yeah, I think we did that one. I apologize. Uh, Daniel Kinneman, he gave us a super chat as well. Hey, Justin, this for you, buddy. It's your Starbucks fund. So yeah. how do you choose which games and recruits to go check out? I usually do it on a week-to-week basis. Who's hot? Who's not? Who's somebody I need to see uh, publicly? Who's somebody I need to see a little bit behind the scenes? Uh, all depends. I keep myself very flexible in that regard. Um, used to be more or less guys in my region, my area. But now, you know, I've had many occasions on Friday nights where I'm taking off to New Orleans for a commute, to Kansas City, to St. Louis, to Tulsa, uh, wherever, all, all over Texas, wherever it goes, because uh, you, the story doesn't come to you. You have to go get it. 
And so um, I just choose them on a week-to-week basis. I was actually looking at Duncanville this week, and they are off. Um, and so because there's a lot of guys there that need to be caught up with. Obviously, Alex January and Colin Simmons are committed to this class. DeCorian Moore's in the mix uh, for the next cycle, as long as uh, JV on holiday, a, a 2025 safety that's definitely on the radar. Um, and so, but I haven't picked out my, my, my game yet. Uh, I've got a few of them that I'm looking at, but I usually base it on a recruit week to week basis. Um, new target, sometimes a source in the within the program will tell me, hey, go see this kid named Jelani McDonald at Waco Connolly. You know, tell me what you think. Month later, he's offered. Three months later, he's committed. Uh, go see Warren Roberson. Tell me what you think. Month later, he's offered. Three months later, he signs. Uh, those are the fun ones. Going to kind of find guys that, that a lot of people may not know about. But at the end of the day, I take it on a week-to-week basis. Uh, whatever we need to go see, I go see. That's probably why I've seen Kobe Black four times in the last seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Might see him again. <laughs> I like him. Hurry up and commit, Kobe. Let's go. Wow, he's the real deal. Right? Hey, uh, Hook'em Troy has a super chat as well. We really appreciate the generous uh, donations from the viewership. So, And Hook'em Troy says – I listen to you guys every day at work. I guess he gets on the podcast and haven't had the chance to listen live. Keep up the good work. Hook them from Port Natchez, Texas. So, hey. Troy, thank you so much. Hey, hook them, Troy. The Grove. We really, we really appreciate Indian that. Indian territory. Uh, that's Rojo land. That's Roshan Johnson's from uh, that nice. neighborhood, right? Yeah. Great. When I went down for his recruitment, he was a sophomore going into his junior year. He was skinny as Rod. Hmm. And he was a <laughs> and he was a quarterback. He yep. was a quarterback. Yep. That's what he was going to do. He was the leader. Uh, head coach Brandon Faircloth, who's a, who's a good friend. He's actually the head coach of Sulphur Springs now. Was his guy, and he's like Justin. I've never met seen anybody like this in my life. And so I've been down there multiple times to see Rashawn Johnson, and then I actually went down there a few more times to get, see Jalen Garth. He was an offensive lineman. Texas signed a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, he's transferred. I'm not sure where Jalen's at. He might be at Houston, if I remember correctly. But another great kid. Port Natchez Groves is a great program. Coach Joseph, the Katie's head coach, his son runs the show down there now at Port Natchez wow. Groves. And they've got an offensive lineman in 2025 named Jackson Christian. He's actually going to be on campus this weekend for the Texas-Kansas game. We got a chance to see him at the state championship last year when Port Natchez Groves made that run. I can't remember who they lost to, but he was part of that really strong, young offensive line out of PNG. Uh, appreciate it, Troy. Lots of lots of good stuff coming out of PNG. Man, that's my man, Justin, killing it right there. That's clear. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, that's good. Good the job there. <laughs> uh, I'm in. A, by the way, uh, Roshan, you've got my uh, vote for Texas governor in 20 years. So that guy's hey. he's going yeah. places, right? Tell, no, let me yeah. tell John. Let me tell John real quick. Um, I guess Eric just updated that on the board. Yeah, that was some news I was texting during the show. Uh, that is a. Um, He's from New Iberia, Westgate High School. He loves Derrick Williams. He has mm. practiced with Derrick Williams. He looks up to Derrick Williams. He's the next in line at DB at Westgate. And the, one of my favorite pictures of Jabori is they, they worked out a lot this summer. Mm. Uh, they're, they're friends that, you know, Derrick kind of takes a, It's kind of like a big brother to him. And I've told stories before about how, you know, Derrick Williams is a kid that I've seen ride on in a bus to, from New Orleans to Houston to be with his teammates through a camp that he didn't even participate at. That's a nine hour trip one way guys. That's who Derek Williams is. Jabori Antoine is a dude. This is a great young corner from the 2025 cycle. 
And yes, it will be his third time on campus in 2023. Good stuff, Eric. Uh, I'm glad that John's re- that that thing got updated not too long ago. Yeah. So just for the benefit of the podcast listeners who can't read this, so he just mentions that uh, John Campbell with the super chat mentions that uh, 2025 uh, Jabori Antoine is that how you say it? Yes, Justin yes. Jabori will be on campus Saturday, and it's his third time on campus, as Justin mentioned, and he'd love to keep eating. Uh, Coach Kelly's lunch at LSU. So we're happy to do that, just as long as he doesn't uh, make you dance for that lunch. So, uh, <laughs> Trey Day. Such a weird fit, man. Such a weird and something, fit. He loves to dance on camera with his recruits. Uh, yep. He's, he's got his own style. Rod B. Trey Day exclaims, Congrats on the new recruit. And of course, that's your daughter, the newborn. His freshman year at Texas was 1998, so he got to see your oh. whole career in 40. And anyone oh, will tell you guys you watched as a student, you're, that's always your favorite defensive back. You were, Rod. Hey, I appreciate that, bro. That means a lot to me, man. It means a lot to me. Yeah, man, we hey, I, I, we were trying to bring back DBU, too. That was what Coach Akini came, and he's the one that really started teaching the history of DBU. And he came, and he was really excited. He's like, oh, I always wanted to coach at Texas, man. Jerry Gray. <laughs> John and Johnson, ah, oh, they were all great, man. They were great. They were all time great DBs. And my dad was a big, you know, fan of Texas DBs back in the day. So even when I came to Texas, he was big about, oh man, you know, you're going to a place where a lot of great DBs have played. Wow. Um, and That's so cool. yeah, the DBU history. I'm I'm glad that it's a thing. I'm glad the young guys, I, and I hope the young guys still take pride in it. When I was there, it was some of the guys took pride in and Huff Daddy and those guys, man. It's now the DBU title can it can it can be something that can be championed by more than one program i will say that it's like yeah. it's like you know what i mean it's like once you you know win the heisman you're always a heisman trophy winner once you become dbu at one point you're pumping out dbs at that extent like ohio state or florida state hey you always kind of keep that title can you always say you are the dbu all right the top dbu right now no but i think at one point texas was and i think at one point texas will get back there that's what my man Justin was just talking about with Derek Williams and that crew getting back to where Texas got the best DBs in the country. That's when you are the DBU. Hey, Ashton Lewandowski has a question. I think we've heard this name quite a bit, and I haven't heard any traction at all. Devin Sanchez. Ashton asks, any chance Devin Sanchez shows up this week? There's always a chance. He's the North Shore 2025 uh, corner out of North Shore, Galena Park. Uh, dominant. I mean, Major dude status, gonna play on likely play on Sunday. 6'2, wiry, uh, ha- has that disposition of just dirty. He is good. Ohio State looks really good there right now, naturally. Uh, Texas AM, Oklahoma, Texas is in the mix, but it's really early and we haven't heard any information about him possibly coming. Okay, and we have another super chat for you here. Now, what happens when you have good staffs is they often get uh, job offers. So this is what Antonio Harris has some concern about. With the Super Chat, he asks, uh, with all the good stuff going off for the Longhorns, I think one of these coaches will get called up for a big position somewhere else. Do you have any thoughts on this? Um, PK has not – I don't know what PK has ever wanted to be a head coach because he's had so much success, you know, in his years there at Washington and Boise State. You know, something tells me that he's been he's been offered – uh, and just hasn't mm-hmm. found the right place. So maybe 
now that may come, but someone tells me PK may want to stick around a little while. Um, and maybe that's not something that he's ambitious about. It could be. Uh, I remember Tom Herman saying he don't he doesn't want he doesn't like to hire coaches who don't want to be head coaches. Um, I don't know if every coach feels like that, but he wants all his coaches to be really, really ambitious. Feels like that means you're gonna give your best effort so that you can have basically on your resume, you can showcase your achievement, whether it be for another coach or for yourself. Um, I think, yeah, you, that's a good problem to have, right? It's like having a hot wife. People hit on your wife if she's hot. Okay. Hey, I think. They hey. got it. People are like, oh, man, that guy was hitting on your wife. Yeah. That's you got to be careful that on this one because, you know, Jeff Banks wants to be a head coach one day. He you does. Know, he's interviewed before, and there have yeah. been calls and interviews. So Jeff Banks is a guy that I think if this thing still keeps going, he'll have a shot. Kyle Flood, I feel like he would get back to doing it. I feel like that's probably something he wants to do. I'm not sure. Rutgers uh, for a few years. Hey, Choate the Goat, he's already been a head coach. Yeah, so, multiple places. I, yeah. I, I suspect that he would probably be the guy that might be most uh, apt to take that leap again because he's yeah. probably early 50s. Um, I, I don't know how old Jeff is, and so I apologize if I gave him a couple of years, but uh, he'll have some tread on the tires and, yeah. and could do that and have success up in uh, Montana. It's a good problem to have. It, yeah. it don't, it, you should be paranoid about it. It's a good problem to have. Uh, look at all the great coaches in the NFL where you're talking about, you know, Sean McGay or Cal Shanahan. That is really one of the best compliments that your profession can give you in football is that, man, we – we love what you're doing so much. We want to. We'll take one of your coaches just to steal some of your secrets and try to get any any bit of the magic and recreate what you're doing there. So it's it's a good problem to have. And by the way, Sarks, all coaches, you got a list. They all got a list. That's part mm -hmm. of part of their job is to keep a list of coaches that hey, in case this guy leaves, I got two, three DB coaches or linebacker coaches that I that I like. And you're at Texas. It ain't hard to recruit the best young coaches. To come want to coach at Texas. You always get the young, the best in the you'll always get the rising stars who want to come coach at Texas to put that on their resume and to live in Austin. Because their wives like living in Austin too. Sure. <laughs> so it's an easy hey, recruit, the recruiting process. Uh one final thought on this. I think that uh he's not a full-time assistant, but a guy who for the last year has been learning about NIL and how to work in a big program and transfer portal and learning some things that he probably didn't learn up in Wisconsin. Paul Christ is learning a lot of different things that will probably help him be a head coach again. And he already was successful on the field. I agree with that. Right. So he's learning some yeah. of the other things that go with running a major program and he's just going to get better learning some of the things that, you know, you encounter at a place like Texas. And so I think that he'll have some opportunities because he was a good coach. And, um, yeah, he just had a bad start. And they said, Paul are on here, but uh, I think he'll get another shot probably at a pretty good place. So, yeah, he, yeah, he went real well up at the Big Ten. And hey, let's uh, talk about the start coaching tree after that. After yeah, that, right. Yeah. We're, we're going to have that long list. Matthew will put that up in the 2030 uh, about the start <laughs> <Right>? tree. <laughs> Hey, uh, Justin, let's get a quick wrap-up on uh, recruiting things. What do you want to leave folks with in terms of uh, recruiting? Man, I think we've nailed most of it. Uh, just just keep we'll keep updating the board. Like you said, Jabori Antoine, Antoine he's going to be on campus. Uh, Jaden Shelton, uh, edge outside linebacker out of South Oak Cliff 2025. Uh, Eric Nolly reported he's going to be on campus as well. Um, 
Uh, Devin Harper, a dancing bear of, a, of an offensive tackle, 2025 out of Captain Shreve over in Shreveport. Uh, with some of my old stomping grounds. I love some Shreveport. And uh, yeah. that, that, there's just too many, too, too much good food, too many pretty girls, man. I love that. <laughs> I love that spot. And I'm not even a boats guy. Everybody goes to the boats. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big boats guy. But uh, no, just come to Inside Texas. We've got updates. Let me earn, let us let us earn your business and, and thanks for watching tonight. This is always this is I always have I look forward to this one each each week because uh, we have a, a good rapport and we have a lot of fun. Hey Justin, that's what my mama does all of her shopping, man. In Shreveport, she got to drive to Shreveport, do all of her shopping. <laughs> man, hey, I'm gonna throw out a name. Uh, um, Archmania mentioned the name Tashard Choice. That would break my heart. But hey, he's fast yeah, right. he's a he's a comer, right? This guy's. Yep. Yeah, let's. Uh, we need to do what we can to make him incredibly happy with uh, the notion of just being a, a incredible <laughs> uh, running backs coach and you know offensive, whatever kind of title you want to throw at him and a, and a lot of money. Yep, keep that guy. Make him a run game coordinator or something. And I, I think he might already have Listen, something like. Gary, like, damn it, they, give him something else. Then. <laughs> if they win this year, they're gonna have to. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, yeah, good, good point, Archie, or whatever that commenter name was. He did a great, yeah, Archmania. You're, you're right on the money there. Hey, everybody, I really appreciate this. We've gone about an hour and 10 minutes, it's almost 8 20. And so, uh, we uh, we put in our, our time here on a Wednesday night. We hope you enjoyed it again. This has been the Longhorn live stream. I think we took care of the super chats, and we really appreciate the uh, the folks who have been uh, participating yeah. in the chat over there. Again, it's kind of its own organism. And Rubble? Rubble. Where's that dog? Put that dog again. Got that dog. He doesn't have that dog in him tonight. That's he doesn't right. have that dog in him tonight. That's all right. It's only it's only a Wednesday night. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> you have it by yeah. Saturday. He's, wait, he's saving up his energy for Saturday. That's right. Yeah, That's there right. you go. Well, we, and we need it. <laughs> Top 25 matchup, number 24, Kansas, playing at number three, Texas, 230. ABC is the location for the television broadcast. DKR, of course, is the site of the game. And I'll be there sweating like crazy. It's going to be another hot one. Maybe one day it will actually begin to be fall rather than summer. But, uh, Ooh, it's yeah. Hey, you know what? That rice game, anticipating 110 degrees. I think they got everybody in, on the team ready for it. And so Baylor was hot. This will be hot. We're ready for it, you know. So uh, we'll, we'll put. I don't know how well uh, Kansas has been participating in exactly. practicing in 100 degree heat, but they're going to get a taste of it on Saturday. Yeah, I'm right. So thanks everybody. That'll do it for our Wednesday edition of Longhorn live stream. Again, my name is uh, Ray Peters, alongside uh, Rod Davers and Justin Wells and Rubble, who now has some uh, energy. <laughs> Now he wants to get situated. There you go. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. And hook them. Hook them.